Hi, and welcome to Reverse Sequels. My name is Ellie, and with me, as always, is... Patrick. And on today's podcast, this is Mission Impossible 6, Part 2, where we discuss the previous Mission Impossible 5. That's right. Mission Impossible Rogue Nation is about an agent of the IMF, Ethan Hunt, who has been disowned by his own government, is marked for dead, but he has to investigate a shadow organization of terrorists that the CIA doesn't even think is real called the Syndicate, but he knows they're real and he's going to find them. And I'm in love with Ethan Hunt. That's part of my recap. A lot of sense. I'm in love with Ilsa. Oh, Ilsa is also awesome. And like, hardcore in love with Ilsa. I need to know a lot of stuff about her. If you took Tom Cruise's top half and Ilsa's legs, <laughs> perfect person right there. Just her legs. <laughs> you know, whole bottom half. <laughs> top half Tom Cruise, bottom half Ilsa. It's like a centaur of uh, badassery. I, it is the ultimate super spy. Exactly. Well, uh, well, we are going to have a lot to discuss, and honestly, we got as much right as we got wrong. Yeah, I told you in the last one that my analysis of the clues was amazing, and I did pretty good. Not as good as I thought I would have done. Same for me. Do you want to start with what we got right or what we got wrong? Let's start with what we got wrong, just so I could go down my list and get my shame guesses out of the way. (laughs) Okay. There was no smallpox poisoning in mine. I'm almost as disappointed about that as I was about not seeing that little boy get stepped on by Godzilla. (laughs) There wasn't like one thing like in the sixth one. We're going after this plutonium. It was more just like we're trying to stop the syndicate. We're trying to take down this guy Solomon Lane. And he's about a bunch of bad shit. And we have to delve deeper into his whole backstory. I'm sure we will. Speaking of backstory, no wife. No wife at all. At all. Nothing. And I had predicted that we would hear her backstory. The wife might be connected to Solomon Lane. No wife whatsoever. I thought that there would at least be a mention. I thought maybe in every movie you got a little bit of flashback of the wife. But she wasn't mentioned or pictured at all. Not one iota. Also, speaking of people who are absent from this movie... I guess that Angela Bassett would be in this because I could not fathom who was the head of the CIA if Alec Baldwin's character was an IMF. Well, turns out there's a good explanation (laughs) for that, and Angela Bassett's character is not in this. Right, and we were wrong that Alec Baldwin wasn't in it. He is. He plays the head of the CIA in this one. Right, very confusing. Right, now I want to go back and watch. He just moved over to become the head of IMF? Just so he could work with Ethan Hunt? He's in love with Ethan Hunt, too. I don't blame him. It's a good move. Also, so I thought if Alec Baldwin was taking over, there must have been a previous head of the IMF. I thought maybe it was David Strathairn. He seems like he'd be good in that role. It's actually Jeremy Renner. Right. I was way off. Yeah, that was a good choice. They ever explain why Alec Baldwin replace jeremy renner what happened to him i know the real reason he's not in the movie but i don't know the movie reason he's not in it why is what's the real reason that he had a conflict with uh, the avengers oh, okay which like i know the avengers is like the biggest movie franchise 
But this would is you, way better. This is way better. Would you go be Hawkeye in the Avengers or be in the IMF with Ethan Hunt? I just have issue with Jeremy Renner. So as a person? <laughs> as an actor? As an actor. I, I think he's a weak Hawkeye. He's lame. I think Hawkeye's lame and he's doing yeah, the best he can. He's like a little limp guy. <laughs> and then as director of the IMF, similar. I liked him. I thought he was good. What else did we get wrong? Well, the stunts. I got wrong most of my stunts. There was no boat chase. There was no climb in Dubai. I didn't get they to didn't see any of that. They didn't even go to Dubai. They, that's another wrong. <laughs> <laughs> they went everywhere in this movie, and Dubai was not one of them. Yeah, no boat chase. I had predicted that also. We had predicted, I said, I think I'd see at least three masks. And I don't think we did. I think we only saw two. Yeah. That's right, right? We saw one in like a fantasy where Benji was talking about wearing a mask of a guy. Oh, you're counting fantasy masks? Sure, if we saw it. (laughs) And then we saw the actual mask of Hadley, the head of the MI6. No, now that makes sense because I only had one mask. (laughs) I got one real, one fantasy. I'm not counting fantasy masks. But in either case, you're wrong, so we're splitting hairs. I have a question about the masks. Okay, I can believe that they print out a super realistic 3D printed face mask. I'll suspend my disbelief to believe that. How do they do the voice? Oh, I'm sure that's easy. They have voice copying technology? Yeah, didn't you ever see Face Off? <laughs> they explained yeah, I it. I didn't believe it they there either. They explained everything in Face Off. <laughs> all right, I'll go back and watch Face Off for research. We that's all- the part that gets you is the voice? Yep. For me, it's how do they attach it to their upper torso? Like, what kind of epoxy or putty are they using? They got special putty. They got blending cream. Because they're always ripping it off, and I they have to have it affixed somehow. Well, latex? I don't know. That part doesn't bother me, but the voice, I just thought about in this one. This is why we never make it in the disguise department of the CIA. You know what else I got wrong? Ethan Hunt's story. Backstory. The wife wasn't in it. I thought that he would be sad and weird and rusty in the beginning. No, he was awesome. I got no backstory. I got nothing for him. No. Yeah, we don't learn anything about his personal life in this one. I think that was uniquely one of my guesses. We also got wrong, or I got wrong, that him and Ilsa would kiss. I thought they were going to share a kiss. No. And man, they teased me up until the very end when they share a long hug (laughs) and no kiss. You know what? I really like that, though. I kind of did, too. It's just about mutual respect, no love interest. I like that. I don't know. There's some kind of maybe something simmering, but I really liked that Ilsa's such a badass. She doesn't need saving. She doesn't need a man. She saved his ass twice. She's on equal footing as a spy. Uh, I think she's the greatest. Yeah, and in in the next movie, in the sixth one, she saves his life a couple times. She's just constantly saving his life. Mm -hmm. Ilsa really is like one of the best movie characters I've ever seen. And I'm almost mad that we did this for the podcast, that we watched six and then five, because the whole time, I think if we didn't already know her, we would be thinking, is she a double agent? Is she really... Has she turned? Is she double? Is she triple? Where do her loyalties lie? Because she played it so well of you never quite knew right. what a, she wanted or what she was doing. Excellent spy. I have a lot of questions about her. I want to know her backstory. What's her story? Why won't they let her out or kill her? Why do they keep giving her all these missions to gain her freedom? Uh, MI6 seems shitty. 
real shitty. <laughs> we'll talk about Hadley later. Yeah, MI6, not a good job. No. I'd much rather be in the IMF. Mm-hmm. Finally, my last wrong, my most sad wrong, is that DJ Khaled and Ariana Huffington were not in this movie. I mean, no celebrity cameos to speak of. I didn't think there were going to be, but <laughs> you had me guess which celebrity, if I had to, gun to my head. <laughs> I like that an hour and a half into the movie, when, you know, we don't talk during the movies at all, but Ellie just leaned over and went, when do you think Lady Gaga's coming? <laughs> I really thought Lady Gaga would have been a good cameo in this movie. How? I mean, and maybe not in this particular movie, but in this franchise. Okay. She's just got an icy look. Okay. Good spy look. She got a good spy look. That's all for what I got wrong. Pretty sizable chunk. What about you? The only other thing that I got wrong, well, I don't know if it's wrong, is I really thought there would be a scene where Ethan Hunt has the chance to kill Solomon Lane, and he doesn't take it, and I thought it would be to do something else, to save Benji. Right. Because that would kind of be in line with his character, because in the sixth movie, he keeps saying, I should have killed you, Solomon Lane just says to him, you should have killed me when you had the chance. So I really thought there was going to be like some moment, you know, he had a gun to Solomon Lane's head, and he thought about just ending it, but then in the end he chose not to, but it doesn't really play out like that at all. No, and I i mean, I don't know if this is the right place for it. What the hell happens to Solomon Lane at the end? He's just put in a gas box on a truck. I mean, I think they sort of explain in the sixth one that he gets passed around to all these different governments who want him. But they want him back in the hands of British intelligence. Why not? I mean, I guess why not kill him? I guess they just can't decide what country gets to kill him. What? If you're part of the IMF, that should be your job. This is why I think, I don't know, it's a fatal flaw for Ethan Hunt. But is IMF, they don't even have the jurisdiction. He didn't even do anything on American soil. Right, because here's the thing. The play on the title is Rogue Nation. The syndicate's a rogue nation, and so is the IMF. And so is Ethan Hunt. That's what I mean. He's the leader of the rogues. All right. Do you have anything else wrong? No. My first right that comes almost immediately some great Tom Cruise running. Oh, yeah. He does. Right out the gate. He is a great runner. I had running down to... He's got a couple scenes of just some great running. Running through the streets of London. Running on top of buildings. Running through the opera. A lot of great running. Now, if we replaced his legs with Ilsa's, would that affect mm. his running? There is a point where they're running together and she can keep up with him. She doesn't have... See... His running is all about his arms. So I think that, yeah, he would be just as good a runner. Okay, because she has those awesome power moves where she, like, whips around people's necks with her legs. I almost wonder if her legs are too strong for running. Right. Like, she could snap men's necks in half. But Tom Cruise is like a gazelle. Exactly. So having her legs might slow things down. The One of the first things that I got right is Solomon Lane is in this movie as the main villain. Very true. Solomon Lane is the villain. Although I almost didn't recognize him without his beard. Wow. And he looks way worse. He looks weird. You know what he looked like is he looked like he was a skinny Steve Jobs. Because <laughs> the whole movie he's wearing a tight black turtleneck all yeah. the way up. I guess, you know, he's supposed to look more like he was a spy. And in the second one he looks like a prisoner. But he looks way better with the beard. Mm -hmm. He's got that anarchist. Right, he looks more like an anarchist, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think we touched on some of the rights. I guess my rights 
are not as strong as my wrongs. Because we do get the Simon Pegg vest scene, which I know we'll go into. Mm-hmm. We kind of have Ilsa as a love interest or as... It's not an overt love interest, but I think there's some tension there. I think we said that Ilsa would be a big part. Yeah. And that's true. And we said she was going to be undercover and that at some point Hunt would find out that she's MI6. At first he would think she's really with the syndicate and then he would discover it. And that part was all spot on. I got right that there was no Henry Cavill. Right. Yeah. No Henry Cavill. I got right that there was no Angela Bassett. Um, In addition to his running, he does a lot of motorcycle stunts. And we do hear the classic line, your mission, should you choose to accept it. We did, but the, there was a twist With on a it. With a twist, because yeah. Because it ended up coming from the syndicate, and then Solomon Lane is right there. And then, I don't know if I got this right, because I said there would be more masks with an S, plural. And there was only one mask. There was two masks, one <laughs> fantasy. That counts. Um, and then just the other thing is we would see more of kind of the history of Tom Cruise's rebel behavior. That must be in all of them. Because they always think like he's too reckless. There's a whole scene where they're like, he's just maybe getting lucky. Like all the results the IMF have gotten could have just been by chance. Which they're, they're not far off. They're not wrong. Now, do you want to get into what we could have never predicted? First of all, the movie opens in a way I wasn't expecting. It's a little bit scattered. We get, I think, Ethan Hunt is with Benji. Luther's in another location. We have Jeremy Renner is a big character early on. So the team that we grew to love and know in MI6 is all dispersed in the beginning of MI5. So that was just a little unsettling because I thought they would be a unit that always has to work together. That's true. Yeah, I'm not sure why Luther was in Malaysia. There was something like he was controlling the satellites to take down this plane. But I actually loved that opening scene. I loved how they were all working together. So we see they're in Minsk and we see Benji pop out of like he's wearing some camouflage. He's in a field. He's looking at this plane. Luther is in Malaysia trying to fix a satellite. Jeremy Renner's in the home office directing everything. And then we're like, oh, where's Ethan Hunt? And then we see him running out of nowhere. <laughs> running towards an airplane and he just jumps on the airplane that's taking off <laughs> and is just going to hope that Benji can open the door and get him in. And then there's a little like lighthearted gags with opening all the wrong doors. Yeah. I thought that was so fun. Um, I also like during this scene that we saw Jeremy Renner, who we weren't expecting to be in it, and you couldn't remember his name and you said, oh, who is that? CJ Honeycutt? <laughs> Who in the hell is CJ Honeycutt? So, first of all, I'm thinking of PJ Honeycutt. Who's that? Who's PJ Honeycutt? From MASH. Oh, okay. So, he just reminds me, I don't know, that character from MASH. And that's like, um, I don't know where that came from. All right, good reference. I was over my head then. I thought it was just a completely random made up name. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. BJ Honeycutt. It was BJ Honeycutt, and somehow you got those initials wrong? BJ, CJ, PJ. I got the Honeycutt, and that's what mattered. Well, I'll have to look that up later. But I love that scene. I just thought it was so fun with Tom Cruise. He gets on the airplane, and then he straps himself to a bunch of bioterrorist bombs or whatever it is that are on there, and then he escapes with a Parachutes parachute. Off. But I just thought it was so 
just well done. Just so well directed, like the timing of everything. Well, see, here's the thing. I think one thing that's great about these movies, honestly, is the pacing. There was a scene in the middle of the movie where they were kind of planning out what they were going to do. And I'm like, do we have to see the planning and then the execution? And this is going to be long and boring. And I wanted to fast forward it. (laughs) But no, the way that they delivered the planning and then the execution was really well paced. I think this movie is a little more lighthearted. And I think the pacing in MI6 might be a little bit better, even though this pacing is... Well done. Interesting. Well, so it's the same director that did five and six. Okay. And it's Christopher McQuarrie who like wrote Usual Suspects and has directed oh. a bunch of great stuff. But he's not the director for the first four. So I really want to watch the first four. Oh, but that'll I wonder. Be interesting. I know. I wonder if they're totally different. I know like Brian De Palma did the first one. I think John Woo did one. Oh wow! And then I don't know the rest. Okay. Well, we're gonna have to. I wanted dive to watch. Deep. I wanted to watch all the rest right after we finished this one. <laughs> okay, let's jump right into the plot. We're taken to a record shop. There's this really cool spy code with a girl who works there. How cool is that secret jazz spy codes? <laughs> oh, I love these movies. But then you think that he's going to get the tape that's going to say your mission should you choose to believe it. But the tape had been hijacked. Should you choose to believe it? <laughs> one time where they're just like, I don't even believe this mission. I'm out. This isn't even real. Should you choose to accept it? Right. <laughs> it's so cool because it gets hijacked by the syndicate, by Solomon Lane. He's there himself. Came in person for this To do one. the dirty work. Just kills the one record store girl. And then, foreshadowing, gasses Ethan Hunt in a glass box. Yeah. Why does he not kill him? I think he's hoping to turn him because his whole organization is full of converted government agents. So he's like, here's like one of the top agents. Let me see if I could get him to turn. And if not, I'll kill him later. But I mean, he would be a good candidate. He is. Rogue. He has a history of rogue behavior. Yeah. He's leader of the rogue. But they didn't know he's got a pure heart. And he would never join Solomon Lane. That's true. You know what I thought was interesting in this scene? Because it's him being gassed, but then you get Alec Baldwin and Jeremy Renner in front of the Senate. We find out that the IMF stands for the Impossible Mission Force. I know. Did we know that in the sixth one? Because I remember wondering what it was. I don't know. I think I would have remembered them saying that because that's so goofy. Yeah. Then Ethan Hunt wakes up. He's in a torture chamber with this guy named Victor. Victor is known as the Bone Doctor. And in the room is where we first meet Ilsa, too. Here's where I started taking issue with some parts of this movie. What? So he's the Bone Doctor. Right. He was apparently declared dead three years ago. He's been operating under the radar. He opens his torture kit. Mm -hmm. He Mm -hmm. unrolls everything. Spotless. Well, he cleans it after every torture. But like, you wanted to see it covered in blood. I wanted to see some nicks, <laughs> some rust, or maybe he buys a new kit after every one. Why would he do that? This is torture. Well, also, we never actually see him use anything in that kit. Right in the entire movie, we never see him use it on anybody. So maybe he's never actually used it. That's true. I maybe it's all intimidation only. Thought it was weird that um, in this torture room for the syndicate. They don't have any guns. No one in the room seems to have a gun. Well, you can't torture somebody by shooting them. 
No, but like any of the other thugs, you think they would be armed just in case something happens. Now, here's the thing. Is this the way that Solomon Lane turns people? Is by torturing them? Yeah, that's a good question. I thought he just offered them like, do you want to join me? (laughs) Maybe. I mean, they said something about like, you have to break them first. So maybe it's like a like a reek in Game of Thrones type situation. Maybe they were going to cut off his penis. I don't know. I mean, there's a good chance of that. But so this scene, if we didn't know Ilsa already, would have been so much better because, you know, we think she's a bad guy. We think she's going to torture him. Then she lets him go. But then at the very end, she doesn't escape with him. She's like, I'm going to stay here. But we don't know why. We don't know who she works for. Or we wouldn't. Right. Like we do, but the audience doesn't. I kind of, I mean, I think as a genre, spy movies don't hold up sequel to original. (laughs) (laughs) That might be true. (laughs) But they're still very, very fun. Something I think is interesting. Apparently, the syndicate is supposed to be considered a myth, like a shadow organization. Nobody really believes in it. So again, this makes Ethan Hunt look like a liar, like a double agent. He This happened to him in six. He keeps getting, you know, embroiled in this stuff where is he the good guy? Is he the bad guy? And I thought they had the best analogy for that. Oh, what, what was it? Hunt is arsonist and fireman at the same time. <laughs> that was one of my favorite analogies. I thought, how great. That was a good line. But I would think I, this seems like it's a recurring theme that happens in each movie. At one point, I mean, can you give this guy some credit? Couldn't you be like, <laughs> hey, you've been right all five other times. Let's believe you this time. But Let's here's trust the you. thing. If you believe he's the arsonist and the fireman, you're not. You're never going to believe him. You're never going to know. Is he creating these scenarios just so he can oh, be could the save hero? the world? Oh, he he's got like Munchausen by proxy, yeah. but with the world. Here's a thing that you just said that kind of blew my mind that I never considered. Has he only been on five missions? <laughs> no, I'm sure sure he's been on a lot of missions. But are these the impossible missions? These are, these are the big, the like big he's, six. Let's say in his career, he's been a spy for twenty years, twenty five years. But he's only done five possible <laughs> missions. Maybe. But maybe everybody else has only done like one. So if you do five, it's a big deal. Right. But that just blew my mind because that would make <laughs> sense. Each movie then is a mission. His only mission. But in his career timeline. I mean, in the first movie, I'm sure he's not a shitty spy. I'm sure that's not his first mission. Right. Well, I think you have to... Probably establish yourself as a good spy. He must have had two or three, then started the franchise. So this is like his seventh. I think he was probably a regular spy with extraordinary talents. And then you get recruited for the impossible mission. Oh, got you, got you. So one impossible mission is bigger than like a regular spy mission. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe it is then. You got to get specially recruited for that one. So the IMF gets disbanded. Alec Baldwin, he goes before Congress or something and says this should be broken up. Congress agrees. IMF is done. Ethan Hunt goes into hiding. He disappears. Mm -hmm. And everybody else has to go work for the CIA. Benji is like at some weird desk job where he's just like entering data. Yeah. (laughs) Something mindless. But he plays Halo 5 at his desk in between working. Right. Because he's like a super genius. But And he said he's a field agent. And they've desked him probably for operating with Hunt. Now, this was one of maybe my favorite scenes in the movie. Him playing Halo 5? No, no, but I don't know why I like this little storyline where I loved it and I hated parts of it. Benji's sitting at his desk. Someone plops the mail down. He opens the first letter on top. 
and he's won two tickets to the opera in Vienna, and he decides, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to go. I actually did have an issue with this, too, because I assumed he would know this is... Ethan Hunt reaching out to me. Right, but then when he gets there, he seems like, oh, I didn't really win tickets to the opera? Right. What? You're in the CIA. And he's being monitored every week to see if he has contact with Hunt. How would he not have put two and two together? And how would the organization allow him to travel? I mean, maybe they're tracking him. How did they? How did he think he won a contest that he didn't enter? What? And there was no postmark. And like, if he's a field agent, these should have been glaring clues. Yeah, that did, that bothered me. Um, that drove me nuts too, because I thought he was going to be like, "Of course, I was expecting to see you," but yeah. he wasn't. He thought he was going to the opera. I know in he Vienna. seemed real bummed when he got there in his tux that he wasn't really going to the opera. That's why I love and hate this scene. I love the scene where they're going. You think they're going to catch him in his room, but of course, it's the old camera on the wrong room trick. I know. And he left all his evidence on the wall. I love that stuff. I know it's so cliche, but like these movies do such a great job of walking the line between like showing us what you want in a spy movie, even if that is cliche but then you know keeping it fresh it's not just tired tropes but then the vienna opera got me but that whole opera scene was so cool i thought that was so awesome ethan hunt and benji are there looking for solomon lane but then they find out oh the german chancellor is going to be there that night can't be a coincidence then they see ilsa then they see two other bad looking dudes three assassins there and ethan hunt and benji got to take them all out also, what I thought was cool was a little bit of spy technology I've never seen before, which is that little cyber eye contact lens. That was so cool. That seems to be like one of Solomon Lane's trademarks. I thought that was really cool. I like that too. So he could keep an eye on the action, but not actually have to be there himself. Um, I love that there was a gun clarinet. I thought that, that was, was so, so cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't want one of those. You know, they had the fight in the rafters. We're getting comedic relief with Benji. There are multiple assassins, which of course pisses off Ilsa because she said, you sent me to do the job. Why are you going to send someone to back me up? Right. Yeah, that was. it's so weird. It's like, but I kind of like that. We didn't have to think, well, how come Solomon Lane trusts her? He doesn't trust her. The whole movie, he doesn't trust her, but he doesn't know he's not 100%. I mean, it's kind of funny when your whole organization is ex-spies. How do you know to trust anybody? Right, so you've got to double up your spies. i got to say, Solomon Lane, he is like a good thinker. He is a good spy. He's many steps ahead of the game. Ilsa in this scene looked amazing. Her dress was insane. It was like pure silk. She's an assassin. She's doing kick moves. She was such a badass. Um, and then another part of the sequence is my favorite is the Austrian chancellor ambassador. He does get shot. He gets shot in the shoulder and they usher him out. There's an uproar, blah, 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 blah. You think it's resolved. And then the ambulance explodes. Yeah. Car bomb. Killing him, his wife, the whole thing. And this is what I have written in my notes. Me shocked. (laughs) It's like cookie monster. Me shocked. Me shocked. But I really, me shocked. It was great. Yeah, I thought that was awesome. It's kind of weird. In the sixth one, they really build up all this horrific backstory of Solomon Lane about all this horrible stuff he did. Almost like a Kaiser Soze thing. Yeah. And then in this one, we don't see a ton of that, actually. Like, when they talked in the second one, like, did he really take down a whole passenger plane to kill one guy? Yada, yada. I thought we were going to see all that in this one. But we don't. But this is the one part that I liked where it's like, oh, he really did kill the German chancellor. Right. And he's, 
I don't know. He does seem weaker in this movie. He, he does. seems a little crazier in the next one. Also, in this scene, we see Alec Baldwin. Um, he's coming to kind of check up on things. He's following Benji. What I think is incredible is uh, I felt sad. I'm like, oh, Alec Baldwin. We know his fate. He's going to oh, die. Oh, he gets killed. I know. I'm like, oh, we like him. Now he's following along. Then he gets turned. So a little sad. I thought the same thing. I thought that Jeremy Renner was going to get killed because he's not in the next one. I kept waiting for his death scene, but yeah. I guess he just disappears. Well, here's the thing I have written down that I don't remember, and maybe you can help me out. Double agent doesn't work backwards. What? <laughs> was this something they said in the movie, or like was I having a fever dream? I don't remember that, but after they escape, basically... Ethan Hunt tells Benji, go home. And Benji's like, no way. I'm a field agent and we're friends. We're going to do this together. And then he kind of debriefs him on everything. The syndicate is all ex-spies. So maybe... Oh, and when they're escaping, Ilsa tells him that she's undercover for MI6. Yeah, interesting. Maybe it's about Ilsa because she's kind of got her hands in a little bit of everything, everywhere. So she's kind of trapped. She's an MI6. She's working for Solomon Lane. She's working for... IMF, she's on her own. Right. Um, But basically, she tells Ethan Hunt, like, you have everything you need to find me. I can't go off with you, so I'm just going to jump out of this moving car and get back with my team. Right. And then she said, you know where to find me. Right. So she's already given him the clue, which leads us to Morocco. I love this part. And this is the part earlier where you're talking about pacing, where you thought it was going to be a long drawn out thing. I like the fact that it's this elaborate heist and they give us all the kind of Ocean's Eleven. Here's how we're going to do it. Here's why it's impossible. And here's our only chance well, I to lay this all out. That they just brush aside. They're like, you need to breathe underwater three to five minutes. <laughs> and then Benji's like, you can do that. Figure it out. I think in any other movie, this would be the climax or like this could be a, right. its own heist movie. Right. And it's just in the middle of this movie. And it's so cool. The whole thing that they're after is this disc. Now, we don't know a ton about it first, but basically Ilsa says this disc has everything anybody could use to blackmail Solomon Lane. It has all the information about the syndicate, everybody's names. It has everything. She's like, I'm going to recover it to bring back to MI6. Solomon Lane wants it so that nobody can use it to blackmail him. But we got to break it out of this facility. It's for some reason at a power plant in Morocco. Right, because it's a data storage facility that's underwater. Yeah, so they have to break in. But I love all this like complicated stuff. It's like only one person can get through this security. And they have a gate analysis. Like that, how you walk, the gate of right, your walk. G-A-I-T. Yeah, so it's impossible to get through. Unless you can fake the way a person walks and moves and has facial expressions, which they can't. So they have to go underwater to switch out the card of the gate to switch it with Benji. Right. And so she has to turn off the power plant. There's a lot of moving parts. But it goes quickly. It does. But then when they're underwater, it's tense because he does. He he has a timer for how long he could breathe. And then the cards get mixed up, which drives me crazy. They're floating in the water. (laughs) There's like a a stream. But so here's my thing. How do we know he got the right card? Because Benji got through the analysis. He didn't die. Wait, what do you mean? All they had to do was put in Benji's gate so that Benji could make it through the gate. No, I mean the yellow card. Then he would get the... That's what the yellow card is. The yellow card was the gate. The actual disc they got, Benji got. Oh, get out of here. So what if he had picked the wrong one? 
then Benji would have died. I didn't like that. I didn't like that there was no marker to tell you which card was the right card. They were identical. Right. And it was underwater, so we're just assuming that he got lucky? Yeah. That's why I thought that line was so brilliant of, like, all the results of the IMF could have just been by chance. I think (laughs) they're not far off. I really like that when they get back in the car, they just rip off their suits with one hand. I'm into these spyware, (laughs) these rip-off suits. I'm into stuff like that. Wait, but I love the part, so... He almost drowns down there, and Ilsa yeah. has to go down and save his life. And then they they have to wake him up with, like, freaking defibrillators yeah. or whatever. So they wake him up, and then he's kind of out of it. He's, like, stumbling around. He's like, Benji, how'd you get here? And then he goes to drive a car, and then Benji has my favorite line in the movie where he's like, are you okay to drive? A minute ago, you were dead. <laughs> It's true. And it's funny because Ilsa's on a motorcycle and she did this in MI6 and she does it in this one. She drives downstairs. And I think the true symbol of a motorcycle, like if you're a bad character on a motorcycle, is you drive down a staircase. Only motorcycle baddies do that. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, is she bad? Is she good? We don't know. Here's a question that I had apropos of nothing, but I wrote it down amidst these scenes. I don't know why I wrote this down at this moment. Maybe they ate something at the opera. Maybe there were hors d'oeuvres being passed. But do you think any spies eat Cheetos? No. No. I I can't picture it. Neither can I. Like, they're Neither in can such I. good shape. It's I think, gotta be, like, grapes and wine and char- only charcuterie boards. I think they all have, like, personal chefs. No, I don't think they even eat food. I think if you're a spy, you only eat charcuterie boards and alcohol. Maybe if you're, like, undercover. But I think in between, I don't even think they eat food. I think they probably have, like, you know, they have Pellets? all this technology. Yeah, they have some food pellet that gives them all the nutrition and satisfaction that they need. What if they had a Cheeto that was, like, a three-course meal? This is what you were thinking about while watching this movie? During the underwater scene, I had this written down, and I don't know, like, if they cut to a food scene. No, there were no Cheetos in the... Was I eating Cheetos during this (laughs) scene? No, nobody had Cheetos. I guess maybe it's because they were so classy and refined, I just had to ask. That's a good question. So, there's a huge long chase here. Tom Cruise is in a car, then he's on a motorcycle, he's killing bad guys, he's going after Ilsa, Um, and in the end, Ilsa gets away with the disc. And then Tom Cruise goes back and asks Benji, did you make a copy? And Benji's like, oh, yeah, of course I made a copy. So that whole death-defying chase was for nothing. Right. I mean, again, with Ilsa, could she just stop? What if she just, like, disappeared? She's got enough skills. Could she just say, I don't need to earn my freedom, I'm out? Or would she just spend the rest of her life looking over her shoulder? I th- Yeah, I think that's what Tom Cruise said to her in MI6. And she's like, no. But also, if you're such a great spy and you didn't do anything wrong, that's not fair that you should have to be on the run, that you should have to disappear. So I want to know more about her. Well, Ilsa meets up with her connection from MI6, this guy named Hadley? Hatley? Yeah, I could tell right away I didn't like Hadley. Hadley was a dick. I think it was his weird hairline. He like, I don't know. He was, like, bald, but he didn't shave his head. It was real patchy in the front. They made him just look weaselly somehow. Yeah, he definitely looked weaselly. And then she's like, okay, here's the disc. It's got all the information that you need. And he's like, okay, great. Take it back to Solomon Lane to earn his trust. And she's like, no, this is everything I want out. Little did we know he had an eraser underneath his newspaper, and he erased the whole disc. It tells her, you can't get out. You got to go back in. We're saying we're keeping you undercover. Poor Elsa. Poor Elsa. 
So then she meets up with the guys again because she's like, I need a copy of the disc. This one was blank. This one was erased. And this is where Benji gets taken. They're at a mall. Um, But she gives Tom Cruise like a, a choice at one point. She's like, here's what we could do. But one of the options was me and you could just run away together right now. Yeah. I mean... I think he should have taken it. I know. And what a sexy offer. <laughs> but here's the thing that got me with this scene. Tom Cruise has to run after Benji after he's taken. She's sitting at a table in a food court in a mall, seemingly. Luther is watching from not too far away. He sees her. She sees him. He's going over to the table to keep her there. There's such a crush of people <laughs> at this mall food court that he can't get to her. He's like a salmon swimming upstream trying to get to her. I think maybe a movie just let out or something. Why are like... there so many people at this mall at this time? Uh, that's a good point. Well, Elsa gets I mean, away. He's a giant. <laughs> um, so now there's this whole thing with the prime minister. So we find out that this disc that they recovered is, what do they call it, like a red box? A red box. It can only be unlocked with the voice of the Prime Minister of England. Yes. That's some security. And some cool other things like um, his optics, his hand, and voice recognition. But he has to recite a poem. It's not just any old thing. Yeah, it's crazy. So Ethan Hunt comes up with this ingenious plan. Um, This is one of those things I love where there's all this misdirection and you don't know quite how he's going to pull it off. But basically he shows up at this place where the prime minister is going to be. He gets Jeremy Renner to pretend to rat him out to get Alec Baldwin to show up. Here's a question. Jeremy Renner, they actually used his name in this scene. Was it Brant? I thought it was BJ Honeycutt. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it was Brant. Is that his first name? <laughs> uh, no, I think it's his last name. It really threw me off. His name is Brant? Brant? Both, yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, so they all show up. Then Hadley is in the room. So it's Hadley, Brant Brant, Alec Baldwin, <laughs> the Prime Minister of England. And then we uncover the whole secret of the syndicate. That the syndicate was set up. It was Hadley's brainchild. It was set up to be a secret, untraceable branch of MI6. They would have no oversight. It would be directly uh, controlled by the prime minister. But the prime minister said no, but Hadley did it anyway. Right, and now it's gone rogue. And then what we find out is it wasn't Hadley. It was Ethan Hunt. He takes off his face mask. They got him. And he starts shooting everyone with mysterious truth serum darts sleep darts you better believe i also wrote down truth darts what is in these darts because at one point he gives alec baldwin the antidote to the (laughs) truth serum darts right i guess do you just keep telling the truth until you get this antidote (laughs) i don't understand i thought it was great i love a dart gun but he (laughs) shot everyone yeah but if you never get the antidote do you just continue for the rest to tell, of your life? Tell the truth forever? Is that what happened in Liar Liar? That would be so great. I I don't know, but I, I love those truth charts. Maybe those are explained in Mission Impossible Four. I really wish. Yeah, we had a little Q who would tell us what these things are. Um, so we get Hadley. The real Hadley shows up. They get him to admit that he did all this. He's a bad guy. Then they get the Prime Minister to unlock the red box. And they tell Alec Baldwin, okay, here's what you're going to do. You say that you caught Hadley attacking. 
Prime and Minister. set up Alec Baldwin as the hero. Exactly. Which is why he's so grateful. And now they go after Benji, who's strapped in a vest of explosives, sitting on a trigger chair. <laughs> yeah, Benji looked uh, like he was scared out of his mind. Maybe it's because in this scene they're having wine. Maybe that's why. That's I what made you think of wine and cheese. Yeah. yeah. So Benji's there. Ilsa's there. Benji's got the cool contact lens eye camera, so Solomon Lane can He's see everything. Speaking as Solomon Lane, which is kind of creepy. Right. So they want to exchange the disc for Benji's life. Now, what's on the disc is all the money that Hadley had been putting into offshore bank accounts to fund the syndicate. So if he gets this disc, he gets like $2 billion or something. 2.4 billion pounds sterling. (laughs) So now you're sitting at the table. Ilsa's got a gun. She's supposed to kill both of them. Benji's on a trigger chair with a vest bomb. Tom Cruise is there. How is he going to get out of this one? Well, he looks right into Solomon Lane's contact lens eyeball and says, I am the disc. He's like, I am the disc. I destroyed the disc, and I memorized every single routing number on the yeah, disc. Yeah, and he, for evidence, he writes down, <laughs> here's a transaction number of 50 million pounds. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to give you 50 million pounds Which right I now. love that <laughs> Solomon Lane inputs it, and he's like, oh, yeah, 50 million Again, pounds. They don't have transfer limits uh, at that bank? <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't get 50 million dollars out. And it was instant. Out. I guess those offshore banks. <laughs> yeah, but that's why you go there. I love where he's like, I am the disc. <laughs> and then Tom Cruise is like, I know what you're thinking. Could he have really memorized everything? Do you really want to take that chance? If I was Solomon Lane, I would have been like, all right, give me a couple more. Yeah. Like, how many did he memorize just for the stunt? Well, that's my question. True or false? Was he bluffing? What do you yeah. think? He didn't memorize a whole disc of like a thousand. What is he, Rain Man? He, no. <laughs> no. The Rain Man's the... brother. <laughs> But I I don't know. Do you think he's the kind of spy who could have memorized the disc? No. You think this was a stunt? I think it was 100% a bluff. Ooh. But I want to know, did he have at least a couple backup? So if he of was course. tested. Of course. Okay. Here's the thing. Um, I thought the bomb that Benji was strapped to was real lame. Because Solomon Lane's like, oh, you're the disc. We can't blow up you and all these people. Here, let me uh, defuse the bomb. The passcode is 139. <laughs> And then he just types it in on the thing, and oh, everything's fine. Right. It w- Yeah, it wasn't as dramatic as maybe we were expecting. But again, I think it's maybe because we knew from the next one that there's going to be an explosive vest, so we were expecting more. more. And it, it's a pretty short scene. Yeah. But I don't know. I thought it was clever the and way he got out of it. They were in a public place. There were high stakes, for sure. So now all the bad guys show up, including the Bone Doctor, and... There's a chase. Here's my thing, though. If you're a torture expert and you're nicknamed the Bone Doctor, that should be all you do. You're also running in the streets. You're also shooting guns. You're also stabbing in knife fights. Right. You're, you should just focus on torture. I totally agree with you. But I just love, in a movie, the second bad guy. It's my favorite. I know. It's to see who's going to kill the second bad guy. Because he's the, the one before the big boss. Right. And Ilsa gets him, and they have an awesome fight, Epic. an awesome knife fight, and probably the best death I've seen since Jean-Claude Van Damme roundhouse kicked a knife into a heart in The Expendables. Oh, yeah. Like, Ilsa does some crazy... Climbs on him. Yeah, climb move, and then... With her legs like a spider. 
And then stabs him in the chest? Yeah. And the whole time, Tom Cruise, Ethan Hunt, is trying to run to her and save her, and she doesn't need it. He's having his own battle, but he's trying to fight the guy and get to her. Exactly. So I love that Ilsa kills the Bone Doctor in such a badass way. Now Solomon Lane shows up, and there's a chase, him and Tom Cruise. But of course, Tom Cruise has predicted all this. He set it all up. He leads him in a chase through a hole that goes into, I guess, like the sewer or yeah. the subway system. And when Solomon Lane drops down in the hole to chase after him, he gets locked in a glass box. Right. You know, they were all there waiting with a wall to attach. <laughs> like, there were these intermittent scenes of drilling. and <laughs> Right, and like, what is it going to be? We knew it was coming. So it was a glass box they fill with gas. Right, just like the opening scene where Tom Cruise is in the record store. Very poetic. Also, at one point, Tom Cruise literally tells him, I'm going to put you in a box. Right. And we thought it was like prison, but no, it's a it's glass a box filled with box. gas. <laughs> and he doesn't kill him. All of this not to kill him. So now they reinstate the IMF. The CIA is a believer. This is where that epic hug comes in. God, I can't believe they didn't kiss. I'm glad they didn't kiss. I am too, but I'm sad I got it wrong. And so, yeah, that wraps it up for Mission Impossible 5 Rogue Nation. Holy shit, it was so good. All right, what do you give this one since you gave the last one an A- minus after much convincing b plus oh my god you gotta be kidding me (laughs) all right well let's get to our questions and let's suss it out there which movie did you prefer mission impossible 6 fallout or mission impossible 5 rogue nation i love them both but i think i would go with mi6 is better (laughs) well why i just think it was more exciting it had that insane helicopter chase. It had awesome characters because you had Ilsa, but you also had Henry Cavill and Angela Bassett. You had Solomon Lane. You had the the motorcycle chase. You had the, the White Widow and her brother. I don't know. It was just more epic. It's funny you say that because I'm also going to go with MI6. I was thinking about it the whole time watching this one. Because this one in the beginning seemed lighthearted and I almost liked it more, but then it seemed to stutter step. Like I said, the pacing was good, but not as good. And I just felt like MI6 stepped it up in an incredible way. I'm going to go with that one as the better movie. So I'm going to go B plus, A minus. I'm going A plus, A plus. Both A plus movies, but MI6, maybe an A plus plus. <laughs> and now, which movie did you prefer, the movie you saw or the movie that you predicted? Obviously the movie I predicted because it had Lady Gaga. Really? I'm real mad there wasn't any celebrity cameos. She would make a good spy. I do agree with you there. You know what's funny is I was going to choose the movie I predicted, but not for celebrity cameos. For what reason? For backstory. You know I yearn for backstory. I want to know all about his wife. I want to know more about Solomon Lane. I want to know more. I want to see Ethan Hunt sad. I want to see <laughs> him I, eating a bag of Doritos, maybe. Yeah. I did think we were going to get a lot more info about Solomon Lane. We really didn't. No, and maybe that's good. Maybe I mean, these kinds of movies are action. They're stunts. They're fun. I mean, they both were good. Yeah, but... I guess maybe you don't want to know too much about your main villain, but I'd like to know a little bit more about his motivation and his background and... At what point, you know, he went from agent to maybe if biggest we, terrorist in the world. If we start in order, maybe they're like partners in the first one. 
That would be so cool. <laughs> no, but he didn't even know who he was. He didn't even know his name for half. Well, probably in like MI3, he got amnesia. Amnesia dart. Yeah, amnesia dart. <laughs> and lost the antidote. That could be. That's why Solomon Lane's so sad about it. Um, I think it's a good franchise. I do want to watch the others. Now we have the tough decision of whether we watch them one through four or four to three to two to one. I think after this one, I got to go one, two, three, four. I don't want another Ilsa Spoiler. letdown. Spoiler. Yeah. yeah. You know, part I really liked is uh, when Alec Baldwin gives a speech and says, Ethan Hunt is uniquely trained and highly motivated and is the living manifestation of destiny. Oh, yeah. He did say that. It was <laughs> How intense. does that mean? I don't know. I don't know. I am the disc. <laughs> I thought that was so good. Uh, all right. Well, as always, I am Patrick. And I'm Ellie. This has been Reverse Sequels. And we'll see you next time. Reverse sequels.